Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, this is Benjamin Boyce, located in my front room. Today's interview is with Jadis Arjayopi, who is a trans woman located in the Southwest region of the United States of America. This is a very patient interview where we just talk about her experience and her counterposition against the binary is bullshit crowd. And we also get into what it is to become a feminine entity and how far that is possible for a male-bodied person to accomplish. So here's Jadis. Yeah. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. A few few days ago was Trans Visibility Day or something mm-hmm. like that. And yeah. Teen Vogue released a like six-minute <laughs> film. Have you seen this? Uh, yeah, I did. And it yeah. it starts out pretty strong, and it says, uh, the binary is bullshit. And then there's one person in the film called Chase Strangio, or Strangio, and uh, he's, she, he, I don't know the pronouns of this person, but they are a ACLU lawyer, and they got really upset that not a lot of people like this video. I guess the strong position that this person has is that there is no such thing as biological sex. It's only a political category. And I'm wondering, like, if you have any thoughts on that. I, I wanted to do an episode on that, but I didn't know where to start because it's... Yeah, yeah it's called gaslighting. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely gaslighting. So... Um, obviously there is biological sex. Obviously, um, I don't want to be that person that says uh, nature designs anything because evolution isn't designed. It's more happenstance um, and things naturally flow in a particular direction. Um, And once something works, it tends to stay that way. So let's just say you can, I guess, from one perspective, say we were designed to be um, uh, bimodal. Um, and so that's how it's been, and that's how it, it works. And it's a system that's worked for, what, billions of years? I'm not sure. I don't know how long um, chromosome, sex chromosomes have existed, but quite some time. And um, to say that, yeah, sex doesn't, it's, biological sex doesn't exist is, is just, um, it's, it's not, it's pseudoscience is what it is. Um, hmm. So my position on that is that, um, they are gaslighting. Um, they are being uh, very deceptive. <clears throat> and uh, the thing is, if you're saying you acknowledge that, uh, that biological, that's a biological reality, and of course, if you're transgender, you're trying to fight that biological reality for, for one reason or another. Um, some people believe that uh, maybe there's a chemical reason, something Something changes so that your neurology doesn't match your biology. Some people believe that it's a spiritual thing, something metaphysical. Whatever your reasons, um, you have to at least admit that biologically speaking, you're either male or female, unless you're intersexed, which is a very, very rare condition um, or set of conditions. Um, 
mm-hmm. which most of us aren't. Um, and I'm one of those people that believes that uh, if you were able to definitive, definitively prove whether or not a trans person um, really is transgender because of these reasons, I don't think that most trans people would take these tests to prove it because they don't want to be invalidated. Of course, they would also say that the tests are biased too. To clarify, um, you're saying that if there was a specific scientific objective test oh, yeah. to measure... So, let, let, let's, yeah, for example, let's say that you could document, let's say everybody routinely documented um, like fMRIs, right? They, they could document their, their brain activity and track it throughout their lifetime. Um, and then you can show changes over time. And then someone, and you, let's say you do that with everybody, uh, hundreds of millions, billions of people, and you can look at patterns and be like, okay, well, cisgender people by and large follow this, uh, neurological pattern, uh, for, for this, uh, for this biological sex for, for this gender. Um, and then you look at the trans, uh, community and you're like, well, yeah, you don't fit, you don't fit with what you're saying. I mean, I think that's that would be the case. You would show that, neurologically speaking, most trans women or most trans men don't match uh, the biology that they, uh, or the, the gender that they say they, they fit in, or the biology that they want to fit into. Hmm. Um, so I think you you might, <laughs> you could never do it, but theoretically you could undertake such a thing, such an, an endeavor, um, and it would invalidate them. And so they would just refuse to participate in something mm-hmm. like that. And it doesn't have to be just neurology. You could also um, do it in other ways, too, potentially. You, why do you know, why um, would they be well, invalidated by that, though? The why is because... Um, so I don't think that most uh, transgender people really are transgender. If you talking to some of them, it's very clear that uh, they're trying to emulate what they see and doing a very bad job of it. Um, and I'm not excluding myself. I'm, I'm not immune to this. I'm not one of those that says, well, all these other trannies, forgive the word, um, they're invalid. But I'm I'm genuine. I'm not going to be the one that says that because I don't know. Um, and, and in truth, I don't care. Hmm. <laughs> I don't, I'm not trying to, to make excuses. I just am, and I, I'm going to continue to do what I do, and I don't give a crap. Um, one one thing I was going to say, though, is that uh, potentially you could actually deduce someone someone's gender just by their activity. And I say that because uh, a few years ago, someone pointed out the fact that if you don't choose your gender on Twitter, Twitter will try and figure it out for you. Um, because there are patterns of behavior that uh, males and females uh, exhibit, and it's it can it can do a pretty good job of figuring out figuring out if you're male or female. And unfortunately, it had determined that I was male, and I had to change the, the gender marker from nothing, well, from the default male that it had predicted to female, and that made me very angry, and I felt invalidated by that. Um, but then again. Um, I kind of made excuses for it too. And the, the excuse that I think a lot of us get to make is that if you're trans male, you're socialized as male. And so that means that you pick up on things, uh, little quirks, interests that are typical to males. Now, I have also, if 
feminine interests, but I don't have the majority of feminine interests that you obtain throughout a lifetime of living as a woman. So, and you think socialization, the seat of gender is socialization. It's not an emergent property of an individual. So, there's both, but I think a lot of it is socialization. This is where I agree with the feminists on that. I think that, yes, a lot of it is absolutely socialization. There, There is something uh, biological that makes someone, uh, say, more empathetic, uh, more sociable. Um, but hmm. that that's not all of it. That's not all the story. So you have this inclination towards certain behaviors, and that makes it better for you to, uh, uh, to actually execute them once you do learn them. But it's uh, it's not set in stone necessarily, and environment certainly can change that. Well, if um, if gender is socialized, then what's to stop people saying that transgenderism is socialized? That you just been socialized to want to be the other gender? Something nothing. in your social something the, the, in the, the social environment. Them, the only thing stopping that are the the uh, the transgender community and the LGBT community at large. They would stop that because they have a lot of powerful organizations and uh, they have basically armies of people that they can they can signal to to uh, run roughshod over anyone yeah. that goes against the party line. So Yeah, but these armies of people are basing their argument, like with this video that we just brought up at the beginning, on this whole social constructionist, everything is what I say it is. Like in the video, they said... My gender is my gender. Doctor can't tell me what my gender is. I, I am the gender that I feel that I am. And, you know, what happens when you have prostate cancer or breast cancer or cervical cancer? You know, do you just got to tell the doctor that's not cervical cancer. That's prostate cancer. That That's oh, not did, a vagina. That's you, in, ever, inside a penis. Did you ever see that? It might have been Teen Vogue. I'm not sure. But there was an article that talked about the body parts and they didn't even want to call them vagina or penis they, they want to have alternative words for this because yeah. it was too triggering for them it's hilarious the fact is regardless of, of of your gender identity those are those are your parts you have to live with that that's a reality hmm. and you can work around it certainly you can get corrective surgeries great um, but those those are the things you have to deal with and you have to come to terms with and if you don't if you keep if, if you stay in denial that's only going to feed into your your uh, mental illness. And I think there is a mental mm-hmm. illness component. Uh, certainly uh, living a life deluded like that and insisting on others uh, feeding into your delusions, that can't be healthy. It's uh, It helps exacerbate cognitive distortions too. Well, By the way, what about okay. when you said that, that the video was gaslighting people? Um, mm-hmm. If an individual is doing that to themselves, it's called mental illness. If an organization is doing that to the world and, and emitting this pop, uh, this propaganda into the lives of teen girls, that's not a mental illness anymore. Or that's mental illness writ large. That's gaslighting. But it's based, yeah. it's based on one concept that you've brought up uh, several times now is, is invalidation. Like, mm-hmm. what is underneath that being invalidated by people outside you, by society at large? Like, why is that so triggering, to use a tired phrase? Um, well, I guess some people just 
lack the self-esteem or the ability to come to terms with the fact that people will disagree with their positions. They don't know how to handle conflict or, or a difference of opinion. Um, they insist that all this is fact and they have it validated by, by uh, are, are you familiar with um, uh, idea laundering? Uh, um, can you so, run me through that? So I think it was uh, Brett Weinstein talked about the concept of idea laundering where basically if you want to um, add credibility to an idea or, or lend false credibility to an idea, you'll you'll filter it through the colleges and get them to do some kind of gender studies or whatever. And then later on you can cite that study and say, see, it's validated. See, this is a fact now. Now you have to admit that this is true. And so a lot of um, the LGBT community uh, refers to these really crappy studies that validate this confirmation bias, of course, but it validates their delusional beliefs. Hmm. Um, what sets yeah, you so, apart from that or how have you decided to not be, uh, to follow that path? So, it seems like a trickier so, path to go down where you've ended up. Perhaps that's true uh, for me. Um, so I don't know. Uh, some people say that I, I might be on the spectrum. My parents thought I was, I had some counselors that thought I was, um, my, my thinking is, has been um, almost neurotic about wanting to always pursue, pursue truth and avoid delusions. And even if that hurts me, also I have a bit of a contrarian nature too. So um, I don't want, I don't like lies. I don't like masks. I don't even like my makeup right now. I'm just wearing eyeliner. That's it. I don't want to overdo and, mm. and sell something that's not there. It's not about... Um, I don't want to lie to someone, basically. I don't want to paint a false picture, and I don't want to sell a false story, a false narrative. Um, and if initially I believe something that's false, um, I will correct it later. Um, but I just am compelled not to adhere to things that I know to be false. Yeah. There's one... Sorry. And this is... Uh... This is selection bias because I've, I've been speaking to people who are interesting to me, uh, specifically trans people who are interesting to me. So they end up somewhere within your ideological bent, uh, truth-based, fact-based, um, contrarian, uh, doesn't, doesn't want to go along with the crowd, doesn't like big propaganda mechanisms and stuff. And there, there, there seems to be an apparent contradiction um, or I, I can see some people having doubts that somebody who... Um, is transgender, who is natally male uh, and goes through a process to present female. Um, there, it seems like a contradiction between wanting to change something that for some people is very immutable uh, and yet having this very scientifically oriented fact-based mind and like, like an aversion to what you say is a mask. And yet you've gone through a lot of steps to, to change your presentation, to, to defy the, the body that, that nature set you up with. What do you what do so, you think about that? Or just asking how I can reconcile that? Or, or is there something to be reconciled? Or am, are are we? Is that narrative kind of looking at it the wrong way, or making a false equivalence between those two things? So, I mean, I think I can see where you're coming from with that. Um, what what I'm doing, being transgender, is is reconciling where I think that hmm. there there's how do I say? Um, all I know is that I don't feel right in my skin 
in the role of a male or presenting as a male, I feel more feminine for many different reasons. Um, not, hmm. it's kind of hard to justify it. I get it. Um, I'm the kind of person that doesn't believe that biology is all that you are. So I'm more on the metaphysical level, perhaps, of, of uh, thinking of, about my gender identity, perhaps. All I know is that it feels wrong to be male for me. For others, great. In fact, um, before I went towards an asexual lifestyle, I did both males and females, and the kinds of males I preferred were very masculine. Um, think even kinesis has indicated that kind of inclination is towards more manly men i'm pretty much the same way i'm not sure why um but for me i prefer to just be feminine and not even a gay male but as as female as possible um Hmm. just because it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel right to be male for me i just feel out of place I don't know. I'm, I'm sure it's rooted in, in some things. Um, actually, I've been dissecting uh, some of my, uh, my history. Um, growing up, for example, uh, I know that my mother and father were really, really uh, uh, strong on us not being sissies. And perhaps that backfired. I don't know. But whatever the, whatever the case is... Um, what do you mean by sissy, then? Um... So, for example, they were really, really touchy. They were so they were so scared of us becoming sissies that if we did anything the least bit feminine, hmm. they would spank us for it. Um, they gave my brother the most hell over it, and I observed uh, how they treated that, and I thought I don't want to, I don't want to be punished for that. So I just stayed gender neutral. Um, in ways that were neither masculine nor feminine. And for most of my, even my teenage years, I was androgynous, but not masculine. So in between, and I, I was comfortable living that way. I was wanted to explore femininity, but I was terrified of it. Um, mm. And so I didn't really do anything until the Air Force. What, what do you think was the root of your parents' um... Uh, well, my phobia. So this was the, the root of that was uh, my parents were. Uh, this is uh, in the eighties, right? So in the eighties, everybody was terrified of HIV. Everybody was terrified of um, indoctrinating kids about uh, gays and lesbians. This is the time where um, there was a huge phobia about it. Uh, but, early days of gay pride in San Francisco and flaunting it. And um, my parents still remembered Harvey Milk, right? Um, and so they were terrified that, uh, that the world was going the wrong direction and that they were going to, uh, they were going to challenge um, hmm. gender norms. In the 80s, of course, you also had a lot of uh, um, men in bands. Stallone. Well, well and well, then, besides, oh, and then White um, Snake, and yeah. So you had more androgynous, uh, you know, big bands, huge singers that were was that Boy George is one of those. So yeah, they wore makeup, they looked very feminine, and so my parents were 
scared shitless of how that was going to corrupt us. So they were, they just kept us in a very sheltered environment. Um, and we were sheltered because we weren't allowed in school at all. Theoretically, we were homeschooled, but we only got a couple of years of that. So we just got no education except for what was on TV for like seven and a half years. And then we went to high school. And that was only because of my grandmother. And we, we when were, you got out of the education structure, where did you, how did you end up continuing your education or did you? Uh, I didn't. Um, so shortly after that, uh, maybe about a year after that, uh, I ended up getting involved with someone. And then I moved to Colorado. I was surrounded by the Air Force all around. Oh, yeah. And because there were so many Air Force over there, I felt encouraged to enlist. And I thought, well, maybe I can go to school with a GI Bill. And then I did enlist. And um, then I only stayed there for eight months because uh, that's when, basically, uh, right after basic training, that's when my gender dysphoria started to hit really, really badly. Did you you have any uh, memories of gender dysphoria when you were growing up? Yeah, actually, yeah. Um, But... And do you think your parents were keen on that or observed that and that's why they tightened no. things down? Or? Maybe. Maybe. I think for the most part it was... I would, I've always been weird to everybody. So hmm. in any setting, I'm a weirdo. So um, to my parents, though, uh, they what they saw was just someone that was quirky. I don't know how to describe it. I just have a very strange personality. Um, you can't tell from this interview, and you probably won't tell unless you're actually around me regularly, but hmm. I'm weird. Um, like, for example, I like to squawk, or um, I, I'll just <laughs> randomly start singing in a Muppet voice. Um, so but, you're saying that, that your weirdness or your theatrical your theatricality kind of uh, provided a cover for your uh, I guess your gender yeah. and, and your sexuality oh, yeah. perhaps? Absolutely. They just they just wrote it off as just being weird or artistic autistic or, or whatever. But um hmm. no, yeah, there are definitely a, a lot of uh, moments where my gender dysphoria got to me. Um, but so after example, the airport uh, after uh, the airport. So in the in the Air Force basic training um, my focus was getting out of basic training. And um, so I graduated uh, basic training on time. I went to my first um, my, my first tech school, which taught electronic principles. And it was there that I had time to, um, to sit and reflect. Um, and I saw myself in the mirror, and I didn't see myself <laughs> because... Up to that point, I, I had been able to look into a mirror and see an androgynous being, something that I could I could live with androgyny. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, for a while I, I thought that, as a kid actually, even as a kid, I had heard of transsexuality, and in my head it was not possible to do the things that I wanted to do. I didn't know to what extent transgender people could do certain things. I didn't know about the credit of surgeries. Or the effects of hormones. I, I thought it was just all entirely cosmetic, and there wasn't just so much. There was only so much that you could achieve. I didn't. So I later learned that you could. There were better surgeries. Um, some of the cosmetic surgeries ended up, like for example, um, you can remove the brow bone and shape uh, round yeah. out the 
I, I didn't know that was possible. Um, I didn't know that uh, hormones could actually cause breast development. I didn't know, and I was ignorant, very, very ignorant. Um, and uh, at any rate, um, the but more I learned... After basic training, that sculpted you into uh, more masculine than you were able so, to, to tell Yes, yeah, so I put, on, I put on muscle, I put on weights, um, and I was in the sun a lot. And it, it highlighted all the disgusting masculine features that I, I never wanted to see. Um, and hmm. it, it grossed me out. It was nothing but revulsion. Yeah. Um, so I freaked out about that. And um, so from, from, from then on out, I um, started doing research on what can I do to undo this. I learned more about uh, what trans women were doing. And I, I started coming to, come to terms with maybe, maybe I can actually do this. Maybe that there, there is a, a chance that I can reverse the masculinity. Um, and I knew I really, really wanted to be feminine. Um, but there was a there was a conflict I had, and that conflict was doing this while being in a relationship with a heterosexual woman, <laughs> and um, I kept it a secret from her. I ended up marrying her while in uh, my second tech school, not telling her anything. Hmm. Um, and of course, when it, when she saw the changes uh, that basic training had done, she said, "I look so much better." because I look so more manly, not realizing how much that hurt me. Yeah. Um, so things I, I did, uh, I, I looked for like natural estrogens or any estrogen that I could get that was uh, prescribed, but not from a doctor. I didn't do anything to hide that either. That, there was a problem with that. So my wingman ended up writing me out. Um, but I also was suffering severe depression, so I wasn't thinking clearly for mm. any of that. Um, How old were you? I in also, your late mid twenties. Uh, so it was twenty. Um, okay. So I uh, started buying feminine clothes for my civilian clothing. So I was wearing women's pants and androgynous shirts, um, V-neck shirts, something that made me feel. A little bit feminine, just a little bit. I started wearing eyeliner, and I got called out on that by my uh, my flight commander. Besides the clothes, besides the hormones, and I tried to excuse myself on that. I, I tried to let them think that I was just taking the hormones to control acne, to offset the, the androgens. Um, hmm. And they they're like, just get a topical cream. Um, but I let I let them. I, basically, I used uh, autism as an excuse hmm. so to excuse all the behavior because I, I had years where I had done that. I mean, this, uh, is, this is basically... To other people, so but I, not to yourself. Were you straight with yourself uh, with where you were headed? Oh, uh, Of course I was. Well, as straight as I could be, but then again, I was suffering depression, so there's not much clear thinking okay. that you're doing. But yeah. I, I absolutely uh, exploited being quirky autistic to confuse people about my motives. And this is something I have done for a long time, just because if they found out my real reasons, they wouldn't let me do what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, I don't like doing that, but it's a lot of it comes down to like a, a lie of omission, which 
it, I'm more okay with doing that than outright lying. But I'd rather, I'd still rather not, and unless I suddenly have toned that down quite a bit. Um, but so I was doing that, and I was also fasting. Like, actually, I went straight anorexic and bulimic because I wanted to lose all that mass. Okay. And um, it ended up snowballing. Um, my what what ended up happening was my commander uh, uh, gave me orders to see a dietitian regularly. Uh, had orders that someone watch me eat, and then they found out I was throwing up, and so I just kept getting right up after right up over this. Um, and then when they wouldn't let me do all the things I wanted to do, I ended up. Uh, trying to commit suicide, which was not the first time, actually. I had previously tried to do it because I was... In high school, I had I had, uh, I had not come to terms with... I just... I thought I was gay, and I hated it. Um, and I knew that my family would not appreciate it, so I tried to kill myself in high school. But at any rate, um, I conceded defeat uh, to my commander, and she put me in a mental hospital. So I, I stayed there from the 31st uh, through, uh, what was it? I want to say it's 10th or 11th of December. Um, hmm. But the interesting thing was once, I was, once, once I, yeah, once I was in the, the, the hospital, though, I was free to be me. <laughs> I could be as, as feminine as I wanted to, and I could have people uh, address me by feminine pronouns. And I felt great. <laughs> Hmm. Except when I had to um, make calls to my my then wife, and and tell her one excuse or another, and tell them it's a misunderstanding and that it's just stress got to me. I didn't want to explain to her what really happened, and, and I, I actually didn't explain to her even when I got back. She was disappointed though, um, because up to that point she was proud of me. And I wasn't, I wasn't proud of myself for any of what the Air Force had made of me. Um, In the hospital, so, were you able to speak with a professional that was able to uh, recognize so, what was going on with you or get help? Yes, yes, uh, yes. And um, they even offered uh, to help me find counselors in, uh, in Colorado to help me with uh, the dysphoria, uh, with getting on, even on getting on hormones and I I didn't do it because I wanted to keep it from my wife. Um, and so when I was discharged, I did everything I could to keep it from her. Actually, what she thought, and I had come, I had at least conceded to her that before I was dating her, I was dating men. And so she thought I was just bisexual. And she could live with that if, as long as I could be with her. Great. I just... I, I was terrified to tell her that I wanted to be a woman. And so um, things started to snowball when uh, she starts making plans about our future. Basically, look at it like this. I had a midlife crisis <laughs> in my 20s. Um, at age 21, going on 22, I had a midlife crisis because she's talking about we're going to settle down, settle down. We're going to get a loan and, and get an, a nice house. We're going to have kids and all these things. And I'm thinking, I don't want that. I don't want to be a father. I don't want to be a, 
I don't want to be solidified in a masculine role. And so I jumped. Hmm. I didn't know. I didn't really have much of a plan. I just knew that I wanted to hmm. flee that life, that organized life, that was perfectly um, uh, calculated life that would, would have been very comfortable to most any other person. Um, I couldn't do it. I, I would rather live in chaos as a as a transgender woman than organized, perfectly comfortable life as a male. So it was. A matter like a matter of months that we got divorced, and then um, so that was 2007, and then 2008 was when I really started taking serious steps. Um, I started off. It was around the tail end of December of 2007 that I was doing part time. Uh, I got a wig and makeup, and so I tested the waters to see if people would would be scared of me or, or what. Uh, I, I went to my local library. I just got on my computer. And um, just to see if people would reject me. And they didn't. And so as long as I kept to myself, I thought, well, that should be fine. And yeah, I was comfortable enough to do that. And then, so then I started taking real steps, like growing out my hair, getting uh, laser hair removal, uh, finding... Uh, Hormones from uh, inhousepharmacy.com. I don't. Do you know what inhousepharmacy.com is? No. Okay. okay. So a lot of trans women will get their at least when they're starting out before they go to a doctor, they'll get it from inhousepharmacy.com, which will that website shifts from one from one country to another yeah. uh, because they keep shutting it down because they're selling you hormones without a prescription. And you did this without any professional guidance or assistance or did you have any? Like a psychologist? Did you you want um, anybody uh, in authority or or professional uh, accreditation to poke your head? I did, but I didn't have uh, the money to see uh, such a person. And where I was in Colorado Springs, it's a very conservative place and it has been for some time. Now, I don't know if it is now, but it was. Um, and so the medical doctors didn't want to help me at all. Uh, no, no specialist wanted to see me. In fact, they insisted that, that this is, this is something that they don't think needs to be solved with, with hormone therapy. This is something that needs to be, um, fixed with just therapy. And they insisted that it's, it's not basically that, that they took the, the, the view that TERFs feel or most anyone who's not transgender feels that it's something that's on your head that you can fix their therapy. And if you just go through psychotherapy, you can figure it out and maybe you can eventually uh, be converted back to a heteronormative lifestyle or whatever. Um, well, one, one question. Uh, mm-hmm. The pendulum is swinged in the opposite direction where it's oh, all affirmation uh, for everything. Do you, do you think that that's where you'd rather it be? No, no. Um, I, I I don't think that we should be forcing people to think things that aren't true. Um, something that I, a hashtag that I use regularly online is hashtag there are four lights because it reminds me so much of the episode of Star Trek The Next Generation where Picard is being interrogated. Yeah. And he just has to say that there are five lights. And then he can have his freedom. Then he can have food. And his life would be so much more comfortable if he just says there are five lights. And, of course, at the end, 
he actually starts to see five lights. <laughs> he, he they they do break him, but that's right at that time is when they they recover him. And so you, it's all you about did. Controlling. You did your own gatekeeping in a way. I guess reality was the... Well, society was gatekeeping. You uh, Financially, you didn't have the resources to connect with a doctor who would be affirmative for you. And then all around you, you're surrounded by a conservative, probably pretty the opposite of affirmative. Um, so you had to struggle your way. And there's blog posts that you've written that get into just how far you went uh, to... Yeah to reach where, I guess, where you are right now or where you wanted to head. head. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think you would probably say that you would have liked it to be not as difficult uh, for other people in your situation. So my thinking has, has always been, I wish there was something like Planned Parenthood for transgender, that you could just go in and get what you need done. So hmm. and get, just go in, no questions asked. You get the hormones. If you're female to male, you get testosterone. If you're male to female, you get estrogen. Nobody asks any questions. And if you want to have certain surgeries, again, no questions. Um, hmm. I would have loved that. I think your body, your choice. But at the same time, when you're a kid, you don't know. You don't know your ass from a hole in the ground. <laughs> you really don't. And you need to be shaped. You need to be guided. That much is true. There is some agency. But it's very limited. Uh, there's a lot of distortions. Kids just don't know what they're looking at. They don't have the tools to articulate or, or understand anything, really. So that's why they need to go to school. That's why they need to be taught everything. Um, once you're at a certain level, though, then you should be free to make your own decisions, right? And so as an adult, your body, your choice, really. Try to keep keep it as informed as possible, but... Again, it's your body, your choice. No one has a right to tell you what to do. If you want to, you want to amputate your limbs or, or whatever, you're insane. But you should be free to fuck up your own life. Hmm. Um, and, and and there are people that will amputate their limbs because of body dysmorphia. They insist that they they need to be crippled. Yeah. Fine. If you want to do that, well, great. But what about the negotiation should... with, let's say, bathrooms or sports? Like when you enter into negotiations with other people, like that's, that's one part where I see the conversation yes. breaks down between libertarianism, the pure libertarian. So trends. if you allow female to males to compete with uh, other men, they're going to be encouraged to engage in risky behaviors that will hurt themselves. Never mind the fact that they're probably going to be a little bit more fragile than genetic males because they don't have the bone density, the strength that, genetic males do. They don't generally have the same kind of mass that genetic males do. So they're more likely to get hurt. Um, and or otherwise they'll hurt themselves trying to push themselves to, to, to be able to compete with other males. Mm -hmm. And then you have uh, male to females and not all of us, but many of us, probably most of us um, have advantages that genetic females don't have. So how I look at testosterone's effect on the brain or even hormones on the brain, it's like stretch marks, right? It scars you, it, but it, 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 it permanently scars the brain or shapes the brain. It creates pathways. Um, maybe look at it like a river, right? Carving a path for a river. And so the, the water's going to flow through there. Um, even if it dries up, when the, the rains come back, it comes right through there, right? Mm -hmm. Well, genetic males, even when they transition and they try to get on, on hormone therapy, 
they're still going to have flow through those masculine tributaries, right? Yeah, not just their bone structure and their muscle mass and, and various I'm talking aspects about their of their neurology, body, but their neurology I'm as talking, well. Yeah. Yes. So um, they're still going to engage in masculine patterns and they will be in denial about it and they'll talk about how, no, this is feminism. I think, yes, it, it comes down to the fact that they do still have those masculine patterns, those masculine uh, drives, and they don't want to admit that. Um, and they do have those advantages that genetic females just don't have. That's not all of them, and it's kind of hard to test whether or not they actually do have that advantage. How far does your transition go? I mean, if, if we're talking about psychology, if, if testosterone has shaped your psychology and, mm-hmm. and somebody wants to tra- uh, transition from male to female, they, they start with the body, right? They start with the hair, the, the cosmetics, and then, then they go the deeper, uh, all these different levels. But uh, I mean, even uh, shaping your, your speech patterns and, and consciously exerting effort beyond the body, how far does it go? When, when Twitter or some algorithm recognizes you as male or male typical uh, in, in your speech patterns and, and the, your interests, how far do you want to trans, translate yourself into the typical female? Uh, is, it, is, it, is it far enough to go, I am no longer experiencing gross dysphoria when I look at myself in the mirror, so, when, I, when other people I think, look at me? So m- most trans people, I think it's all superficial. Um, for me, I can't say that's true, um, but I think for most, it, it is all superficial. Uh, for me, I do recognize when I engage in patterns that are not feminine, and it irks me. And I, I, I try to be mindful of that, but also, I sometimes I dismiss it myself just because I realize that I actually am quirky even for a male. <laughs> so maybe it's okay. <laughs> um, but huh. I am mindful of when I'm doing things that I think stand out as masculine and I'll try to stop it. Um, I just, I I, I see that it could become an overwhelming burden for somebody to not be able to accept themselves, how they were sculpted in the womb and by puberty. It can be. And if if they, if they're able to reflect on, on all the, like the gravity of what, what kind of overhaul you're talking about. Yeah. I don't think that most people transitioning go that far though. I don't, I think that a lot of it, is really skin deep. Uh, as long as they can blend in and be treated as feminine, that's all they care about. Um, hmm. Thing is, though, people do pick up on whether or not you're transgender, even if you do pass, because it's kind of like the Uncanny Valley thing. It's, uh, did you ever see the, the the Rogue One? I think it was Rogue One. Was yeah. Tarkin? Yeah. Now, what, some of the stills didn't look so bad. When he started moving, it was just so bad that you could tell it was really bad CGI. But some of the stills was like, oh, that seems okay. Well, that is the case with a lot of trans women, where if you just have a picture, yeah, right, and they they might be from all directions perfect. uh, Is how they move, how they talk, all these little things play into everybody else's model from what they've seen of other women. And something's off. People know something's off. They may not know what it is, but they know something's off. Mm-hmm. In my case, that's absolutely absolutely the case. But then again, like I said, I'm very quirky. So even for a male, it just people just know something's off. Um, 
And how do you navigate that? It seems like the the big companies with all this money behind them want to force society to to not see those differences, uh, which goes back into the gaslighting. But uh, nominally, that's okay because they're trying to relieve suffering. But at what point aren't there trade-offs here? So... Are they trying to really suffering? That's the question. Uh, okay, there's the question. I mean, I, I want to give them the the most slack. Um, the reality is, I don't think they give two craps about the, what what they're actually sending out, what they're what what they're creating, the the, the culture that they are hmm. creating, or at least on the fine detail. I think there's a there's a greater picture, and I think there might be even a greater agenda to it. Uh, there's a Part of me that thinks that this is part of some capitalist scheme. Um, it, for the medical we'll industry? Like, yeah. Medical industry, the cosmetic. Uh, so you're getting men to buy women's products. You've doubled yeah. your market. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> oh. So. Strong enough is, for a man and, and made for a man who wants to be a woman, too. I'm, I'm trying to throw out some taglines for Laurier. Or right. Whatever. And so the thing is, um, hmm. yeah, it's, it is really good for business, but it's, it's those involved. If you're transitioning, you're going to go broke. Most of us go broke. Um, hmm. It's, what was that? I think I saw a video of Contra. Um, yeah, or, Contra Points. Yeah, Contra yeah. Points. She was talking about how uh, she's a middle class transgender woman which basically makes her the one percent and that really is true because most trans women are not middle class they most are definitely not like caitlin jenner they're 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 barely getting by hmm. because they go broke they they spend all their money on, on on surgeries and therapy and everything they can to, to pass and of course in the end they end up Many of them end up killing themselves, partly because they realize that there's something still off. Um, the mortality rate for for transgender, I think, is high, not because they're like, "What have I done?" Uh, and they're regretting the surgeries. It's so much as the same problem with the people that commit suicide after getting lap band surgery. There used to be a very high mortality rate, and I haven't checked up on it recently, but. Um, People who would get lap band surgery, um, they would what kill themselves because they would lap, lap band surgery. Basically, you make it so that you can't eat as much food. Okay. You can't. And, yeah. So what that meant is that people were losing weight because they just couldn't eat as much. And um, some people that get this, they'll also get liposuction and all that. So they lose a lot of weight. But then they realize that that's not everything. <laughs> They haven't solved their real problems because yeah. the, the root behind their depression is deeper than just their weights. The weight was a symptom. So for, for those who are gender dysphoric, it's not just the cosmetic. There's something much deeper that they haven't addressed. And if they, if they set their goal of this is everything, once I do this, I'm complete, they're going to be very disappointed. And many of them end up killing themselves because... It's like, well, what have I done now? I've blown all my life savings. I've taken out all these loans on this surgery, and what do I, what have I got to show for it? I still have, I've lost my job. I've lost my family, my kids. Because the fact is, uh, if you're a trans woman, chances are 
at least there was up until recent years. Chances are you were probably in your 30s, 40s, 50s. You had a family. And you alienate yourself from them. And many trans women lose custody of their kids. They don't get to be around their kids. Or at least they did for a while. I don't know if that's changed. But they weren't allowed to be around their kids. So I've talked to a lot of trans organizers who have lamented over that, the fact that they weren't allowed to see their sons and daughters because the judges insisted that they were yeah. perverts or, or, or whatever just for being trans. So, mm -hmm. um, How did you yourself real, parse your depression from your dysphoria and, and not fall into the trap that you're describing of chasing a, an external uh, solution to an internal cause? Well, um, the depression never really leaves, so I still have these uh, depressive tendencies, but it's something that you... I've learned to sort of sequester some of those thoughts. Mm -hmm. Don't don't feed them. It's if you're familiar with the the, uh, the metaphor of the two wolves that are always fighting, and they're like, there's a good one and there's a bad one. Which one wins is the one you feed. Well, depression is one of those wolves. Don't feed it. Every now and then, you do feed it, hmm. but try not to. Um, you ever want so to give I, it lap band surgery? Maybe would that be the right thing to do to that bad wolf? It was a joke. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so, thing is, for me, I'm never going to give it depression because mm. I've I've actually anthropomorphized depression, and so I have a, a sentimental attachment to it. As strange as that sounds, um, kind of like a guardian angel or a saint. Uh, more like a lover, hmm. and uh, hmm. so I used to be in love with suicide <laughs> and uh, w was longing to be in, in the arms of anthropomorphized suicide. So um, it's still there waiting for me. <laughs> if, if, if and when I'm ready, but I'm not going to do it because I have reasons to live, legitimate reasons to live. Part of it is I'm angry at how screwed up the world's turned out to be. Um, even where I'm getting my way, things that I've always wanted. Like, I've always wanted trans women to be accepted. That's great. Awesome. This is progress. But now it's gone too far. So, hmm. so you have like a, a balance point. And before we were over here, we were, we were off. And people talk about good and evil, right? As if the, they're opposites. But it's, it's more like good isn't like there's good, there's evil. It's more like good is the, the center. Yeah. Evil is approaching the extremes. So yeah. as long as you're, you're walking towards that center, that, that is good. Once you walk past that, once you're past and you're going against that direction, then that's evil. So yeah. approaching balance is good. And we're way off balance. Of course, we're also a very polarized country in a very polarized world, thanks to the internet. Because the internet has absolutely, it's done a good job of uniting people and dividing people at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And especially those that speak the same tongue. Because now other cultures that had nothing to do with us are getting involved in the conversation and they're being affected by our dialogue. Yeah. We are united in our division. Yeah. 
so it's 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 a dangerous situation. I, I I have to I have my suspicions about how the internet has essentially been weaponized against culture, um, and the, I think the LGBT uh, agenda has been. It, I think the LGBT community is a pawn in a greater war, mm-hmm. and hmm. I, I'm terrified of what this means. Um, part of it, I think, it's tied to globalism, and I think it's also tied to capitalism and so obviously i mentioned you know how it's good for business um but uh there's just so much more that goes into it i think there also it also ties into um the uh the the population crisis slash global warming uh debates Mm -hmm. um well so one 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 thing i've always always believed is uh LGBT, being LGBT, is a result. Nature creates this through one mechanism or another as a result of a high population density. So the, po- the population is too dense. If it's too dense, it's at a risk of um, overpopulation. Well, yeah. disease propagates. Well, besides the po- overpopulation okay. and running out of resources, it is very susceptible in a high population density for disease to propagate. So you need to reduce that population. I think there are mechanisms in there, either sociological or, or biological, that uh, nature kicks in, in one form or another, uh, so that the population decreases. And so that's where I, I believe that being LGBT is useful. Um, and so I think there is a, a good naturalist argument of being um, LGBT. Um, but it's it's definitely been in, uh, compounded, um, and uh, confusion has been uh, compounded by the internet. Um, so, but think, on a per, on a personal level, uh, I mean, you, yeah. you're bringing up a big problem, uh, like these big uh, big pants problems. But um, yeah. If if you were to become a resource to other people who are walking a similar path to that you've found yourself in and that you found yourself walking, uh, like what are the things that that you're able to give now uh, in the form of wisdom or or advice or something like that uh, to help people parse out and avoid the fail state of of suicide uh, or or going in either overcorrective direction. Do you feel that you're prepared to to share that with other people? So, so in other words, if, if I were mentoring another uh, trans person, yeah, um, so or somebody who thought that they might be, I'm not sure if I'm I'm hinged enough to to guide anybody. But I I don't I don't think I make a good parent to be honest. I mean, I'd, I'd love to be a parent, but I, I don't. I'm not sure that I am as I'm actually quite certain I'm not balanced, um, but I want to be. But I'm sure I'm not balanced, and I know that um, I'm, I'm going to throw people off. But I would always challenge people to reflect and, and consider. In fact, I've actually I actually have talked people out of transition before. I've talked crossdressers out of transition who were confused, and um, it's because their reasoning for it wasn't sound so people they're they're trans women well cross-dressers that insist that they were trans women 
had confided into me what they thought made them trans. And I, the way I broke it down to them, I explained to them that, one, these are, these are misogynist stereotypes. Um, and these traits are not, some of these traits that they're talking about are not, are not innately feminine. And basically I told them, if you want to be feminine, just be feminine, but you don't have to change your gender to do that. There are plenty, plenty of effeminate males. You don't even have to be gay. I think some people, maybe they're, they might even come out as, as gay when they're not even gay. It's just because, well, that's the only identity group that is free to do that outside of being trans, but they don't want to transition, so I'm just gay. But I've, I've actually encountered those who call themselves gay that are closer to asexual. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't... I think that there's this... Uh, insistence that you have to adhere to a, a group label i don't think that you need to just be yourself <laughs> you don't need to, to fit into some mold and have some sticky label attached to you that defines or, or prescribes behaviors it doesn't make sense to me just just do you and if, if you fe feel like being feminine be feminine but you don't have to do what i think is a lot of people do is overcompensate and they go too far. Like actually, even myself, I can speak for myself. Uh, initially, when I when I transitioned, I did overcompensate, and I actually did start using a bunch of caked on makeup. And actually, at work, when I initially transitioned, I transitioned on the job, and hmm. I I lost customers because I was working in the food industry, and my regulars stopped coming because they saw a, a, a male pretending to be female in front of families, in front of kids. And they said, we're never coming here again because we don't want our kids around that. And um, that was kind of off-putting, but fortunately my, my, uh, my employer uh, was uh, very kind to defend uh, my position on this. But um I did tone it down because I realized that, one, it's not good for my pores. Caked on makeup is not good for your pores. And two, that's not really what I wanted. My, my goal was to pass as female and... Not to be a caricature of the feminine. Right, exactly. And, well, to be honest, people teaching me how to put on makeup initially were caricatures of women. They were uh, drag queens. Oh, <laughs> I learned yeah. how to be feminine, my, my mentors were drag queens. That is a horrible mentor for a trans woman. Huh. But when you're, first, when you're first starting out, you take what you can get. And um, that's what I did. So I looked bad. Um, do, you, do, you, do you think that, that your transition runs in parallel to uh, a concept of uh, self-development or Jung's idea of individuation? Does, does becoming... Does sculpting yourself into the uh, into the feminine um, does that run in parallel, or does it aid your development of yourself, like like in some sort of metaphysical uh, movement towards an authentic state of being? Does that aid, or does it does it form a block for you, or does it does so, it a distraction, or you, do you think it's a support in that? So, um, well, that's, that's a good question. Um, 
my manifestation of femininity is unfortunately pretty much as androgynous as it was pre-transition. <laughs> um, so even living as a, as a male, um, the difference is that label um, and the, the physical appearance. So I want to be as I want to be free to be feminine, but not compelled to behave in a feminine way. So I've, I've been experimenting with, um, well, like I said, I, I haven't, I was not socialized to be female. So there are behaviors I never picked up. Um, I don't want to do something because you're supposed to do it, right? So my, my behaviors and my exploration, if it comes out naturally, great. Um, but I'm, one of my concerns is that I'm going to end up uh, doing a behavior just because, well, that's what women do. Hmm. And so um, whatever, whatever manifests from my transition, as long as it's organic, that's what's important to me. It, it, it can't be forced and it can't be, um, it can't be fake. Um, and so, what do you want from society then? What I want from Idea. society is it's just the freedom, the freedom just to be me. Um, now, so I want to be able to go into the restroom without anyone saying anything, but at the same time, um, and I do, um, so I will use use a ladies' room, right? But I get terrified that someone's going to read me. Um, every time I go in there, I'm. Whenever I go in the restroom, I'm the last person out because I'm scared that someone's going to see me and say that I'm an imposter. And I don't belong in there. Um, so I'm the last one out. But um, I want to be free to just use the facilities and, and not be judged. But I understand where, I understand the argument that this is, this is their space, right? That this is, this is cisgender women's space. Okay, that's fine. Hmm. I don't want to use the men's space. I, I kind of feel like from my surgery, uh, I earned my, my, my right not to have to use uh, the men's room. If there were gender-neutral restrooms, great. But um, I feel I should not have to be lumped into the male category um, just because of, of the steps that I've taken. You should, oh, I want to loop I back around to where, where we started. Um, in the light of you, your interaction with the binary just on the level of the restroom. It sounds like a yeah. pretty stressful situation for you. At the same time, you don't necessarily think that we need to smash the binary or say that it's bullshit. You think that there's a, no. there's a negotiation so, that think, can happen that, that needs to happen between trans people. And then I guess the, 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 the group that they're asking for acceptance from, or at least within. The, right. Well, I think, I think even, even most uh, trans people recognize the binary they, they have to so the fact that you're transitioning means you rec recognize a binary unless unless you're genderqueer but uh, for the most part if you're transgender you you say there is a binary however I don't match uh, this portion of the binary I match this other portion I think a lot of it comes down to a misunderstanding of, of gender identity and gender expression I think many people who transition just they don't recognize that you should just be free to express your gender as you see fit and the world doesn't need to judge you um, but they transition anyway uh, partly because they're encouraged and, and motivated by uh, 
their peers, especially if they're kids, their peers will tell them that this is what you do because if, if you have these feelings, then you must be transgender. But the reality is they just are not typical, or at least not in mainstream, uh, typical in, in their gender expression. And that's fine. They should be uh, free to, to behave in ways that aren't typical. Um, if, if you've got a girl that's a, a tomboy, great. Or, or she's aggressive, she wants to be in sports and all that. It doesn't mean that she's, she's an FTM. It just means that she's not exhibiting typical behavior that you see. It's not even that it's abnormal. It's just that maybe it's not common where you are. It's all, yeah. it's all relative. Um, I wouldn't want to smash that binary. Um, I think that we need to preserve that binary. But at the same time, I'm not going to be the person that says, you know, I'm transgender and you need to call me a biological woman. Um, there's no such thing as transgender. All women are women. And it, it's so subjective. It's so stupid. Um, no, I, I agree with Kinesis. Uh, Kinesis and, and transrational. She talked about uh, we need to be prefix women. We are trans women. This is true because the fact is trans women aren't biological women. There are things that are going on in our in our lived experience to use that uh, modern parlance that are not um, congruent with uh, cisgender women's experience overall. Like trans women don't have to go through periods. They don't have to worry about getting knocked up. Um, they they might in incur the same kind of misogyny, and of course they might also perpetuate that same misogyny. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of trans women do perpetuate misogyny. I don't think they realize that they're doing it. Um, um, I don't think that's so. That's true with the uh, female to males, though. I, I really don't. I think I think you're more likely to see that. Uh, I don't think you're going to see misandrony from female to males, but I do definitely see it in in male to females. Because uh, back to that concept of being invalidated or not being validated, it seems like there's a psychological blowback from not being accepted where they go out of their way to be the most repellent thing possible to force acceptance on everybody. It seems like people, maybe I shouldn't mention McKinnon, but she's blocked me, so I'm going to go ahead and mention McKinnon. She blocked me too. Yes, yeah, she well, blocked me too. Because um, you're probably one of those uh, transgender transphobes that everybody hates so much. Um, mm -hmm. Worst of worst of both Absolutely. worlds. Yep. Uh, uh, but but the way that she plays the game, and the way that a lot of other like Twitterati trans people play the game, it's uh, and then with that video that we we began with, it's you don't need to go that far. You don't need to say that the binary is bullshit. You don't need to gaslight everybody. You don't need to encourage 13-year-olds to get on the medication that they want right then, um, which is somebody right. that Strangio person is advocating for now, which is just absolutely ridiculous. You don't need to go that far. I think some of that is fueled by a sense of, of insecurity or a sense of, of unresolved issues on the, uh, in, on the inside of the individuals participating in it. And then we could probably go in, I don't have any research, and I'm not really good at this part of the thing but we could probably say there's probably a lot of big money and and do the whole uh, lester freeman from the wire thing and map it all out and, like which companies like really are pushing this which big haunches are pushing this i would um, like to see that 
Well, we, we, we probably do a little... Well, we wouldn't get HBO funding on it because HBO is on the other side of this issue. But I'm just saying that there's a negotiation between the madness that is being shoved down everybody's throat and the individual people who have it pretty hard that suffer some pretty severe forms of gender dysphoria, and then they they decide to transition with the full knowledge that society is always going to have a problem with them, even if the society can be moved and inched towards more acceptance. Every time that you're going to go into a female restroom, you're going to have to be careful and be on your guard to not trigger other people, right? So it seems like there, there's there's a way to prepare people to become trans as much as there's a way to to help society uh, be more accepting of, of the trans individual. Well, and the way that I, the, I, the I, big I, trans I, advocates are going about it is the exact opposite way. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. they're all in your face about it. They, they feel the need to be authoritarian. And that's what really rubs me the wrong way. Being, being more of a libertarian mindset no, I'm sorry, but you don't get to do that. You don't get to gaslight people and tell them, nope, you have to think this way. You can't even, it's not even that you, you can't behave a certain way, you can't say certain things. You can't, you're not allowed to think differently. This is very, very dangerous. They are, they're, they're trying to hijack people's brains. Hmm. And the first brains that they hijacked were the LGBT. They've indoctrinated their own. They've got them to absorb this rhetoric and, and, hmm. um, uh, got them to execute their their dangerous principles. They, they've, they've turned them all into activists. And the thing is, you don't have to be an activist. But they insist that if you don't, it's, a, it's an existential threat. They're going to try and wipe us out. Um, hmm. And so it's this. I feel like we're being played. Honest to God, we're, we are being played. I, um, well, how do you not be played? No, I, I think. How do I not be played uh, by challenging myself and by surrounding myself with people that don't buy into that kind of rhetoric? Um, what I would like to see for the trans community is basically kind of like what they have in India, where they have a class of eunuchs that, that live as females. I forgot what they're called. Um, but they aren't, I mean, many do shun them. Many do look at them with disgust. But there is a great portion of them that just looks at them as a different class of people. And... Yeah, they're they're essentially they're treated in, in uh, d depending on, on that group they're they're treated as women but not women, so you, they're just left to be right. I would like that. Just leave us be. Um, hmm. Now the conflict that a lot of trans women have and trans men have is, well, how do we get the heterosexual community to validate us? Because we want to date the heterosexual community. We want to be part of that. We want to. Be, we don't want to live separately. Have like a hmm. like two different worlds. Well, I don't know if that's right, because the fact is we're an anomaly. We we are an aberration of nature. That's okay. There, nature creates aberrations all the time. Um, but we are an aberration of nature. We are against the norm. There is a norm, and that, that this is the thing that they're trying to say is that there is no such thing as normal. That's not true. There is a norm. There is an average. We don't fit that model, but that's okay. Let us do our thing. Let them do their thing. And if we can get included in, in their activities, if, if we can convince some of them to date us or, or engage with us, great. But we shouldn't force them to do that. That isn't organic. That isn't natural. And, and that causes more problems than it, it solves. Yeah. Normal phobia is not the solution to transphobia. Exactly. Normal so, yeah, phobia? I don't know. I'm sure there's another word for it, but yeah. <laughs>
it's a fear of normalcy, right? Or normality, yeah. The, the fact that they, they don't even want to say there is such a thing. Oh, there's a little spider. It's spider Sorry. season. I got some on my porch now, all of a sudden. Yeah, this is on my porch. I'm on my uh, balcony. Um, I like spiders. Incidentally, I don't know if you know this, but my last name is from a spider. I took it from a spider. Argiope? Um, Argiope. It's Ar- Argiope. Uh, <laughs> I, I took it from specifically Argiope orantia, which is a spider all over North America. And the first time I encountered it, I thought it was the most intimidating spider I'd ever seen. But it was also very beautiful. And it kept to itself. It, you think it's going to be one of those menacing spiders because of how big it is and how bold how its web is just in your way but it just keeps to itself just stay out of its space let it do its thing it's not going to bother you and i thought that was a metaphor for me Hmm. (laughs) yeah 